How can I make money in the music business? Why copyright? Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt? Why am I not making any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the university's music business faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi, and me, Dave Phil. Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the music management program. How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? It's Music Biz 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. Your secretary's got our checks, right? Mine's direct deposit, I think. Because you're listening to Talk Radio, Music Biz 101 and more, Brave New Radio 88.7. It's on your FM dial. I hope you found it. This is Music Biz 101 and more. I'm Professor David Kirk Philp with my good friend, Dr. Stephen Marconi. That's not a very good impersonation of David Kirk Philp. That is not. <laughs> Tell them who you really are. I am Professor David Kirk Philp. You listen ah, to Music Biz 101 and more, Brave New Radio yes. 88.7. Yes, yes. We, we have a great show coming up. We have an excellent show. We have a great caller who's going to call That's in and right, talk. That's right, and he could be a stand-up comedian. That's what you have said. I'm serious. Very true, very true. The times I've uh, been in the same room with him, hysterical. That is cool. And we have a fully loaded studio tonight. We have, of course, uh, Dr. Esteban Marconi. Dr. Esteban Marconi. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We have our great producer, Bianca Russo. Great producer, Bianca Russo. Woo. We have our student of the year, Bobby Mahoney. Bobby Mahoney of yes. the Bobby Mahoney of the Seventh Son, but there's only one son with us, and his name is Bobby. And then of course we have a very special guest. His name is Professor Aaron Van Dyne. Aaron yes. Van Dyne. Yes. There we go. And Aaron is the one responsible for getting our guest who will be calling in in a little bit. And we should why not give a shout out to our good friend George Dassinger, who's yes. in the studio Woo. as well. George the G D. The G D. Is right. that what they call you, George? And uh G Man. G Man. There we go. Right. So we, we have some great stuff that's going to be going on. And uh, nice. we have to thank Aaron Van Dyne, especially for what, Dave? Well, because we got a lot of stuff going on, Dr. Steve Mark. Right. Uh, to start off, by the way, we had The World Is Ours. That's what you heard at the top of the, sh- uh, top of the show, Ali Mac Project. Our special guest tonight will be Doc McGee. We'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, go to musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at MusicBiz101WP. Eventually, you'll hear this as a podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And we want to give a few thank yous out. The first to the Music Biz Association. Save the date for May 16th through the 18th, 2016, when Music Biz goes to Music Biz in the Music City. Because we're going to be there in Nashville interviewing all sorts of Music Biz folks at the Music Biz Association convention. And that's going to be a very cool thing. Grad Mm -hmm. students, undergrad students, all Music Business folks. Yes, and how many do we have already signed up to come with us? Uh, Ten officially signed up, and Mm -hmm. it's open until tomorrow. So Bobby Mahoney is going with us. Right. 
Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And the yeah. best thing about it is that we don't have to have Professor Philip drive. Thank God. <laughs> That's right. Professor Philip is going to fly instead. Right. He's so not I don't going to drive a van yes. and stop once at McDonald's at the eight <laughs> yeah. and a half hour. <laughs> get shower at the truck stop. <laughs> so let's let's give our first thanks out before we get to the Aaron Van Dyne. Thank you. We'll give thanks out to Christine Vey, a wealth manager and the president of Vey Wealth Management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson to manage their investments and plan out their manage retirement. Mine. Look she at manages. The I'm I know you're looking. <laughs> Steve Marconi wears kidding, a uh, six six piece tuxedo every week. You know, if you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance or retirement planning, why don't you give Christine a call at seven three two. 455-1510 or you can email her christine at veywealth.com for advisement no amount is too small never or too big i just made or too, <laughs> that that's her, her new catchphrase i just threw it <clears throat> and we brought her up because she's helping support us with our trip to nashville tennessee right she's and students uh that are going to incur quite an expense and the money that uh, she has donated will go to help the student expenses, not, not Professor Philp. It's not my me. hamburger um, no, issue. Philp is taking a Rolls Royce limo down there. <laughs> That's right, and you're lending me your outfit. And then why don't we give thanks to Aaron Van Tyne? Yes. Dine. Well, what? Yeah. Here we go. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management. Because, you guys, with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Sharon Jones, the Dap Kings, and Kiss... There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when you're ready. No amount is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you think of that blurb I read? I, I read. I like the blurb. You I like that like blurb? No amount is too small. But the blurb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the richer you are, the more he will be your friend. Is that pretty <laughs> right, much where we we're? We'll love you more. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You're gonna hate me. <laughs> the phone should ring any minute. We're waiting for Doc McGee to come in. Aaron, why don't you explain to us who Doc McGee is and how you've known Doc McGee Doc for McGee so long? Doc McGee is manager, artist manager extraordinaire. I've known Doc since 1995 when KISS uh, had their reunion tour with the four original members. And uh, we're in need of a top-rate manager, and Doc was brought on. And we're now in 2016, and Doc and I today, we're working on the 2016 summer tour for KISS. Mm -hmm. So he's still there. Been a great uh, relationship with Doc, and he's uh, just top-of-the-line guy. Where is the KISS Summer Tour in 2016? It's a U.S. tour. I think there's two Canadian shows, but the rest of it is U.S., which last year we did five continents and no U.S. Uh, shows. So it uh, looks like about 38 or 40 shows in the U.S. Who are they going to go on the road with? They're going by themselves. Really? Yeah. Wow. No Def Leppard? No? No, no, no. no. Really? Yeah. How come? Just easier to plan More some money. tours by themselves. <laughs> Yeah. If, the, if the right people aren't available, they've already done Def Leppard, they've done Motley Crue, they've done Aerosmith, right. co-headline tours, which are good because you share costs and reduce costs. But if the right band isn't available, then you just go out by yourself and how have many, an open act. How mm -hmm. many masseuses travel with them? Uh, there is at least one. <laughs> oh. Now, the Jam Factory, 
Now you open for him, I hear. Oh, no. Which uh, we, we don't have, have to do a shout-out right. here. We have not given the shout-out to Steve have, Marconi. Need more masseuse. Or masseuse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or chocolate mousse, maybe. But doctor, our, our friend, Dr. Esteban Marconi, we mentioned last show, was about to get inducted into the Syracuse Area Hall of Fame. Music and Hall of Fame. Music, music Hall of Fame. Fame. I, not just any Hall of Fame. It's the right. Music Hall of Fame. And he was inducted. And yes. He's post-induction. You're going through post-induction stress syndrome. It was wonderful. And wonderful it's on YouTube. The performance. Yep. What Three do we, songs? Jam Factory Syracuse, and it'll come up. Go to so YouTube I'm, Jam Factory Syracuse. Do they type up. in and it will come up, or or that's, that's superfluous? Max, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it was a wonderful weekend, and we had uh, just a great time seeing old friends and uh, you know renewing our friendship because we hadn't played together in forty five years, and we were able to. Well, rehearse one day and then do a sound check, which was basically rehearsal. And we got three of our original tunes sort of down. And uh, Earl and I, he's the trombone player, and Earl and I remembered, well, dug up most of the licks from the original uh, recordings. We did leave some out, but we don't play on electric instruments, so it wasn't as crucial as if the guitar player or the... Electric. A standing ovation, right? Oh, yeah. Standing ovation. And mm-hmm. we went on last. In fact, Savoy Brown opened for us, which we thought was ridiculous, but that's the way it worked out. But it was really, it was quite an, um, it really was moving for Central New York. And we received the Lifetime Achievement Award along with three or four other people. Wow. Well, congratulations well, to you. thank you. Congratulations, congratulations 15 to... minutes of fame, yeah. and it's over. All right, yeah, we're not going to bring this up again. No, I drove back, <laughs> no. and that's it. Right. Bobby Mahoney is here about from Bobby okay. Mahoney and the Seventh Son. Bobby yeah. Mahoney is a DIY musician, and most of the all these shows that we're doing are for people like Bobby Mahoney, who's trying to make yeah. it. What is your major here at William Patterson? I'm a popular music studies major. What does a popular music studies major do? We uh, write songs and learn about how to promote ourselves within the industry and learn how to utilize social media and uh, pretty much try to learn how to get less screwed, really. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, try. Try good. to get less screwed. That's good, yeah, because you're also taking music business classes. Then yes. on the pop music side, you've taken everything yeah. from ear training to music theory to yeah. songwriting classes. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, I really went to college kicking and screaming, but I really have enjoyed my time at Willie P. And Bobby's going to graduate a semester early. He's going to do – a lot of pro- people do it in five years. Bobby's doing it in three and a half years. So I'm good. supposed to. Hopefully. You still don't believe it's going to happen, but. uh, (laughs) And his roommate Cole Mazaleski is doing the same thing. And there's another pop major who's uh, Tim Geisen, who's played the Aaron Van Dyne Holiday Christmas Party. Holiday Christmas Party, and he's all (laughs) over the place. And he he played 200 shows last year. Yeah, he's. One of our our students here. He's a workaholic. And he's getting out in three years when you talk about workaholic. He's going to graduate college in three, undergrad in three years. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Next week, we're going to have a repeat show because it is spring break. We will Ooh. all be in on the beaches of Cancun. either Cancun. I think it's uh, Cancun. Right. And what is the rerun? Is it George Dassinger? I was going to ask you who we should, who the rerun should be. So apparently it's uh, the George Dassinger. Yeah, uh, George has been on twice. I would tell a quick George Dassinger story while he's here that I've repeated a number of times because I've listened to the podcast with George Dassinger. The, the, uh, the story is that um, George... Has, was dealt, dealing with the band and they weren't selling too many CDs and they were trying to come up with great merch ideas. And you asked the band, you know, what do you guys do? Tell me about your band. And one of the guys said, well, we all live together and one of the guys is a great cook. And you said, why don't you guys do a cookbook? And you said, uh, 
they end up selling more cookbooks than than CDs at their shows. But I brought that up at a, I brought that up at a class the other night because uh, one of our students, uh, uh, Miles Franco, who's been on the show, he's a grad student. Um, used it was in a band called Hot Grits or something in like North Carolina, <laughs> and he would make cornbread and sell cornbread at the show. So he brought up that's where I brought up the story about what, what you did with the merch. <clears throat> so we're having technical difficulties with the, the you know, doc. And there was a vinyl shortage. In the early 70s, because of the uh, petroleum shortage, mm -hmm. the vinyl shortage. So they were experimenting with oatmeal. And actually, they were coming out with some pretty good um, quality through the oatmeal. And the joke was when I was on the road, of course, if you, you know, if you break up, you end up making any money and you, <laughs> you, you have nothing to eat. You might as well just fry up your uh, LPs <laughs> and eat them. It used to be a joke. and. It was, it was funny at the time, of course. <laughs> you killed it. Hungry. So when you were with Jam Factory, you just mentioned 50 years ago. The reason why we're, we're killing time, uh, George, I'm sorry, Doc McGee is on the other line. I almost said Doc Medich, who used to be a pitcher for the Yankees. But Doc McGee is on the other line. We're having tr pro trouble getting the hookup here. Um, so when you were on the road mm -hmm. with, uh, with Jam Factory back, you know, 45, 50 years ago, mm -hmm. was merch as important? Did you guys have T-shirts? Were you guys making much revenue yeah, from that? Yeah, we had T-shirts and a couple of other small things, but it, nobody thought of it as a revenue stream. You know, it was real strictly recording, and we were on Epic Records, so we didn't carry any records with us, which is... Got them in the stores and so on. But no, it was, I don't think there were many, you know, groups really doing that. And it really wasn't until the Grateful Dead in the early 70s started to do it at the Fillmore West that um, merch started to be a very, um, you know, became lucrative. But, uh, and the Beatles, of course, had all their merch stuff. But the, if I remember correctly, it wasn't so much selling at the show, like for the Beatles, as selling retail. Uh, but the dead were the first, I think, to do it in uh, Film West or to land or whatever. And then it started to grow. It's interesting because we're going to have a manager on. The Beatles, their manager, Brian Epstein, helped them lose $100 million in merch sales uh, at, at retail they, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, they signed a contract originally where – with a company called Celtib, which is Beatles spelled backwards, where the Beatles earned 10% commission, and uh, this other company, these other people, got 90%. Oh. And, all, and the Beatles take off, especially in America. All this stuff all right. is being sold, and he's like, oh, my God, I cut a horrible deal. And all he right. tried to keep it from John and Paul, and he pretty much kept it from them until uh, he died. So Doc McGee can hear us. We can't hear him. Did you, did you ask Alex out there? Or did he? Has she ever? Okay. If anybody's listening and you know how to work a console at William Patterson University, we've had this before. It's worked before. Oh, yeah. Many times. Yeah. Well, the great thing is that many, uh, many times. Doc can't hear us, so maybe we should sing a medley, he Aaron can, Van Dyne. He can yeah, he can. He, I, I know. Because he can't hear us, we should sing a medley to him of all the greatest hits of every artist he's ever managed. Mm -hmm. Hang in there, Doc. We have yeah. some technical... Okay, the producer is calling somebody who knows how to do this. Yes. Because the normal way isn't working. Right. And would you Doc say, McGee? Uh, Aaron, that that would be part yeah. of Yeah, is, is there another number? No. You, no, we don't need to because we got you. We can hear you now. Doc oh, you got me. Doc McGee. Now there you are. Hello, Doc. Now you have me. We have you, buddy. Great. Okay, awesome. Awesome. 
All right, well, thanks. We ran out of time, but thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> well, that's, listen, it was awesome. You guys are amazing. I did, I did listen to a bunch of it, and I, I, I do like where you're going there, but if it's, um, you know, are, are, are we done with this or do we go out? <laughs> we, we, we will continue. We have about. Doc, oh, cool. I've spent a lot of time on the phone the last few days. Oh, yeah. Well, are you kidding me? Aaron is, uh, Aaron is my doctor, no. <laughs> he's, he's, the, he, he's the guy that, that stops us from making all kinds of crazy moves. Great. <laughs> but he's very creative. Oh, that's good. That's good. But I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be able to call in and, and, and talk on this program. So how did you get started in uh, management? You were a musician first, correct? Uh, yes. But, you know, really, you know, when you're young, you don't know. I mean, I was a waiter and all that stuff, and I had to make a choice. I went... Well, you know, nobody would hire me. So I went, well, is it better to fly around in, in private jets with rock stars or work instruction with my dad? Yeah. And I went, I chose flying around with rock stars in private jets. Uh-huh. So that's, that's really how I got into management. Right. And, um, you know, it was really, you know, you kind of fell into it. You know, it was the 70s and Miami and all that kind of stuff and, you know, you ran into back then. It's a little bit different than it is now. Way different, but you know, you would hang out with the BGs, and you would hang out with Ali Gluten. You'd hang out with uh, all these crazy musicians that you know, with Clapton and everybody else that was down there. And you couldn't help but get into the business. And um, so I kind of just kind of probably blew my way through a lot of it and uh and then got to where I'm at now. Uh-huh. So which is, which is basically still bullshit my way through. <laughs> live radio. Through. Live radio. Oh no, that's live radio. Sorry about that. <laughs> so uh were your first groups that you managed successful? I mean were they like already yeah. with record deals or funny what? because it was it was it's funny because a friend of mine was doing movie stuff. And he was doing Goodbye Norma Jean and, and uh, Winter Kills. And he wanted me to put together a group. And I didn't know much about putting together a group, although I had done one. So I was in Florida. And so I found Steve Ferrone of the Average White Band and Amy Stewart of the Average White Band and Phyllis Simon and people like the Brecker Brothers and David Sanborn, mm-hmm. Mont Johnson, all that stuff, and put together this kind of super group um, called Night Flight. Mm-hmm. And that was really the first real entry into the business. And we had a big hit called If You Wanted on Areola. And then, as at the same time, this was over the course of maybe eight months, you know, I signed people like Mink DeVille, which probably nobody heard of, but mm-hmm. this is an amazing artist. Um, and, you know, I had Melanie and all, all kinds of stuff. And um, then I signed James Brown and Isaac Hayes. And this was all in a matter of a couple of years. Mm. And uh, it just started to move. And all of a sudden, I was a manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever that meant at the time. Right. Like I said, when people go, so how how'd you like managing James Brown? I go, well, I'm not sure if I managed him or he managed me. Right. But, there was some, but there was something there. And it was and and it was eye opening and 
anyways, we just started in 78. I found this band called the Pat Travers Band. Oh, and we had Boom Boom Out Goes the Lights and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that was my first rock band. And then I went in and found Motley Crue and Bon Jovi and Scorpion Skid Row and all that stuff. And so it was just, just you know, snowballed and here I am. Mm-hmm. So do you have the gift of gab to convince all these, uh, you know, stars? Because they were almost stars anyway in the, uh, around that time period. Hmm. Did we lose him? Doc? He had a heart attack. (laughs) Oh, no. All right. So we've, uh, what do you think happened, Bianca? I think uh, he got disconnected. Oh, so, all right, hopefully he will. Yeah, Yeah. we definitely. Are you back? No. He hung up. He didn't like he's the question. Oh. He was supposed to. We were supposed to submit all the questions. Somebody step on the wire. Yeah. Now he's calling back. Let's see how. <laughs> God. Let's see how this goes. Doc McGee. I'm on. All right. There we go. I don't know why I keep getting cut off, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Did you, so. Did you uh, guys pay your phone bill? <laughs> it's a state institution that <laughs> cut a lot of the. I, I, I'm asking Aaron. Aaron, did they pay their phone bill? <laughs> Mr. Foundation President. You got to ask Christy, actually, if, uh, <laughs> because it's a state That's school. That. So, did you uh, have sort of a gift of gab or something to be able to convince these guys to um, that you could take them on? Uh, I, you know, I, I guess it, you know, something happened, and and something, um, you know, it's, a lot is about passion, mm-hmm. and I guess if you have passion, if you're a passionate person. And you show passion, and you make it up every day, but you actually accomplish. I'm sorry, you make uh, things up every day, and you actually accomplish them, which is the hardest part. Sure. But you do, then people start to gravitate to you mm-hmm. because you're 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 doing things that people aren't doing, right. and uh, you know this business is so crazy that. But it allows you to do, you know, it, everything that everybody tells you you can't do, you can do. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so. That's why I like this this business. So you know, we we've that, done. You know, Doc is a very creative manager because uh, the the tours that Kiss comes up with and the ideas. I mean, we were very close this summer to doing a uh, symphony tour, right, Doc? But that. It was just yeah. too expensive with a different symphony in every city we went mm. to. Uh, it's very creative things that he, that he comes up with that just keeps the band, you know, bands going over 40 years now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you, know, you, you have to make everybody relevant. You have to, you know, it's, that's our job. Um, and you have to take something like, I mean, Kiss, I was not a Kiss fan, okay, when, when Kiss Gene. was popular. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, uh, you know, I was managing James Brown and Isaac Hayes <laughs> when Kiss was blowing up. But I really respected Bill Coyne, who was the manager at the time, uh-huh. and the marketing things that he came up with, and the things that he was doing in production, and and I'm and the band was a big part of this as well. But you know, came into this whole not knowing because you do a lot of stuff that you don't know is going to do well. Okay, so you just start things. 
and you come up with ideas, and they came up with ideas, and all of a sudden you had this band that had, they were the Power Rangers of rock and roll, mm-hmm. okay? They were, in the, in the 70s, Kiss was glam because they came out of New York, and it was the Dolls. It was all that, it was all Bowie. It was all that, Studio 54, and I was there many, many nights, more than I would like to think I was there. Mm-hmm. And um, anyways, so Kiss went on to do the glam where the West Coast was all hippies. And so the dad and everybody else came out of that part of it. Mm-hmm. And and what's proven is that Kiss has just been that. I mean, when you look at who it really was Kiss, you don't go... Eric Clapton doesn't go, you know something? You know, I was 35, and they came out with the lunchbox, and I, I'm carrying the lunchbox, okay? <laughs> it wasn't Clapton. It was Eddie Vedder, okay, that was 13 or 12 and became this Kiss fanatic. And most of everybody you see, Tom Morello, too, there's a list of thousands of people that were – Kiss fans and our Kiss fans uh, actually um, took that rite of passage to them, and now they were in the Halloween. They were Gene Simmons, they were Paul Stanley, and they were Ace Freely, and they were Peter Chris. Mm-hmm. And and so this has never changed. So Kiss actually has just evolved, and I've tried to make them relevant for 21 years now. In the sense of, you know, I always say, listen. If you're the best show on earth, people are going to go see you. So that's what we have to build. And I believe that Kiss is amongst the best shows in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that people can can say whatever they like to about their music, but this is like Circus Soleil or Phantom of the Opera mm-hmm. or Blue Man Group or whatever. This is a great family experience. Mm-hmm. It has blood, explosions, fire. It has all the elements of, of what everybody wants to see. And families come together. I mean, we're like Cracker Barrel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. Gene we have four generations of people that come to our shows. Right. With makeup. It's re- it's re- <laughs> yeah, with makeup. Yeah. Right. You know, and you go, you know, and my job is just to make sure that we stay relevant. We have Kiss Scooby-Doo. So the, the, the Scooby-Doo thing that we did last year probably made so many kids that were 10, 12, 13 years old, 8 years old, back into Kiss. They'd never seen Kiss. So they're into Kiss now. Mm-hmm. I've had so many calls from all my friends who are big shots going, now I'm screwed, okay? They're KISS fans, okay? <laughs> I have to give them this, I have to give them this, and I end up sending it to them. So, right. so it's kind of tough on, the, uh, on us as well. But, you know, it's a, it's, you know, in this business, in this day and age, you just have to be that person. You have to be, you have to be the best. Mm-hmm. And if you're not the best, then people go see the best. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, is much. it easier to work with uh, 
a band that has somebody as assertive as Gene Simmons with ideas and so on and so forth. Is it easy to work with a band like that or a band that might have just a bunch of guys that really don't? They're just into the music, that's it. Not into the business at all. Well, you know, it's this is a radio show, so it'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gene, Gene and Paul are great partners. And when I say Gene and Paul, it's really Aaron and Bill... Gene, Paul, and myself mm-hmm. that that put together everything financially, motivationally, whatever it is. Um, the guys are very good creatively. Um, I, I have very little to do with them creatively as far as their music or whatever because that's what they do. Um, and we just try to make them relevant every day mm-hmm. so that they're in movies and they're in different things and they're part of pop culture. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden we took kiss from almost obscurity, which would have been grand funk railroad, all the bands that were huge in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did stadiums. Okay. And, and now can't play yeah. you know, theaters or right. can't play bars really. Mm-hmm. And uh, and move Kiss into another category of an iconic band, mm-hmm. which they should be. And and you know when you say, but but the Stones can't go on forever. Zeppelin can't go on forever, but Kiss can go on forever. Mm-hmm. We have four characters that, as long as we deliver the goods to people, I believe people come. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that people want to see that show. That they created, right? I mean, our new our newest song in the set is twenty three years old. <laughs> okay. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> <It does. laughs> yeah, and they still so rehearse they, it. Yeah. Well, they have to. But they don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> did you? That's the other part. Did you ever like bump heads? Like you didn't think Kiss Coffin would be a great piece of merch and. You know, something of that well, nature. and uh, But, you know, we do, I'll tell you what we do. It's it's going to be hard for, because this is, you know, this day and age, the technology, the analytics that we get, the things that we can actually look at and find out what works and what doesn't, doesn't mean crap to us. What we do is <laughs> we find stuff that people want to buy and we put Kiss on it. And that's it's, it's pretty that simple. Okay. Like, hello, we, hello we Kitty. Find... Mm-hmm. Do a lot yeah, of people come I to you with yeah. ideas too? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody comes every day with 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 all kinds of ideas, which is awesome. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. we're like we're almost like investors. If you're a really smart investor, you buy things that people consume. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. We just lost no. Okay. Well, at least he ended the sentence. So there we go. So he <laughs> right. will call back in a moment. So, so far, we're doing well. It's a compelling yeah. interview well, thus far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, what have you found... Um, your relationship with him, have you found that uh, he comes out 
with some creative things that you would never have thought, you know, from his end rather than from Gene's end when it comes to Kiss? Yeah, yeah. Doc's, you know, 1998, they came out with the uh, Psycho Circus. I think a lot of that was Doc's. Mm -hmm. They actually put a circus on tour. Mm -hmm. The show, the the stadium shows were based around a circus going on while the band was going on. And then we did, we did a 3D. That, I think that was Doc's doing, the 3D show. So he comes out with very creative stuff. Sometimes you wonder, I don't know if this is going to work. Right. But it usually does. But mm-hmm. something like this symphony thing I was talking about, it, it's wonderful. We did it in Australia in 94 or 2004. But uh, it's just... Uh, too costly to do it because we did it one place with one orchestra, right, right. one symphony. But for here to hook up with a different symphony every week and there's unions and all this stuff, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. just was too expensive. And then we make the orchestra up, makeup too. So, oh really? Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes, you have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. That might be very cool actually to see Kiss like that. Mm-hmm. And someone has done all the arrangements for the orchestra. Yeah. Well, we but... have to now. Take some new, the ones we did before the arranger owned those uh, pieces, so right. we'd have to get somebody to come in and do them. But each the arrangements would be given to every orchestra that we use. They'd all use the same ones. Right now, was Doc just sort of alluding to um, the fact that Kiss could become a franchise? Yeah, yeah. That's what I got mm-hmm. that. Okay, how would we, that work? We call it uh, the, the second generation mm-hmm. for starters. People that would basically take the places of. Uh, the main characters. They would still own the org- the franchise, but mm-hmm. different people. Be similar to Blue Man Group. Right. Mm-hmm. Where you could have mul- maybe multiple Kiss shows going on. Okay. Yeah. Have you done that yet, or you're still no, thinking about it? That's the kind of thing not that's yet. still a few years Gene for. Gene and Paul are still actively out there. So it would be for when Gene and Paul retire. It's for when they, they say it's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we just... I. I I said some amazing stuff that never got on air because <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not repeating that because it was so good. I hope you wrote it. So down. good. Yeah, no, I know. I, I was surprised at myself, but then I'm talking to myself. But, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where we left off on it. Well, we were just talking about, you know, that you were alluding to maybe a Kiss franchise going forward, and I brought up the fact of maybe yeah. the second generation sort of a blue man group type thing where there could be multiple Kisses going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. In perpetuity. You know, I did, yeah, listen, there's nothing that's out, you know, we've gone through, as, as Aaron will tell you, we've, we've um, pounded every part of this, and the biggest thing we did was actually reinvent Kiss to be the iconic band that it is, which it should have been. And um, so, then you can't say, "Oh, well, we could, we should have been this." You either are, or you aren't. Okay, we we have to we have to just bring it to where it is. So, at the beginning of Kiss, with with me putting the makeup back on, it wasn't going into theaters. It was going into stadiums, mm. and everybody thought we were absolutely out of our minds. You can't do this; this won't work. And of course, it worked. And mm-hmm. so, you first, know, remember, first four we, shows, Doc, four nights at yeah. Madison Square Garden sold out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, all those things are historical moments. But really, 
truly is just about branding. It's about it's about commitment that that the, the artist brings to their fans. It's all about their fans. Mm-hmm. Everything is about their fans. Everything you're doing now at colleges, okay, and you, you're talking to college kids every day, and I talk to them, and I know my 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 niece went to NYU and four years at NYU, and that's probably what four hundred grand by the time you finish. <laughs> Almost, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's probably four hundred grand to do it, and she could have worked for me, and she would have learned more mu- more about the music business in six weeks than she did in four years at NYU. <laughs> okay, because you, you you don't hear this music business changes every second, so you got to be in it. And now she's with Jared Leto, and she's mm. the assistant for Jared Leto mm-hmm. after. Hundred thousand dollars of spending <laughs> my brother's money. <laughs> we, yeah, okay, cool. We have yeah. a tweet for and you. I, I should, yeah, yeah. That's there. You go. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I think that you know, to to me in college and everything else or whatever, you want to be in the music business. Get in the music business. Go go to some place and say, listen. I'll be if somebody walked into my office and said, "Listen, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I love music, and I will be the best employee you ever had." Okay, and hopefully one day I own this company. Okay, mm-hmm. and I will work for food. I'd hire them. Mm-hmm. Okay, they'd be right there with me because that's what we do. Because in this business, you eat what you kill. Okay, there's no there's no um, packages, bonus plans. Um, how many weeks of vacation do you get? You get none. Okay, you work twenty four seven, and when you can't, when you, when I don't need you, lay down and get some rest. That's how, that's that's how everybody works for me. Because mm-hmm. that's our business, yeah, and that's my business. You know, that's what I do every day. So, you know, in the music world, it's it's not about contracts. It's not about, and they they, they fall into place. It's about understanding path, understanding lanes to be in, and being the best at what you can do. That's really what it's about. We have- and then everybody will pick you. We have unsigned artist Bobby Mahoney, who's our student co-host of the night, and he's going to read a question okay. for you from one of our students listening uh, via tweet. Okay, so, uh, Doc, what was the best piece of advice uh, you could give someone looking to start out as an artist manager? Go to a real management company, which is only a few, and work with them and, uh, and understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say that, uh, in every aspect, whether you're a songwriter, whether you're you want to be a manager, you want to be a producer, there's a saying called "Everybody's a bull rider till somebody opens the gate." <laughs> okay, so you have to you have to be able to ride the bull. You can't talk the game. You have to ride the bull. <laughs> so you have to understand what that means. 
You have to manage expectations. Yeah, I, I love when people, I love when everybody goes, you know, something, I'm, I'm at a record label for 15 years. And they go, you know what I'm going to do? I go, let me guess, you're going to be a manager. <laughs> yes, I'm taking uh, my, this artist and I'm going to manage him. Well, that, there you go. That's, that's the bull rider. You have no idea how to hold on to this bull because you've never been in that position. Okay, you've never been where you have to be. This is, management is a crazy, I, how, I got into it because I didn't know anything else, okay? And I happen to be very successful at it um, and good at it. I mean, I've often thought, what else could I do? And I went, well, I'm not sure, I could be a major D, <laughs> but I don't think it pays as much, okay? So... <laughs> So I'd, I'll, I'll stick with what I'm doing, but it really is a, a, a you know you have to get into it. So the best thing I would say to somebody is to, like my kids do, I, I probably hired seven or eight interns in the last ten years, mm-hmm. that, and that's where my new kids come in because they sleep on the couch, and I walk in in the morning and they go. I was out till three o'clock in the morning with thousand horses. Okay. And they, and, and they're up and they, you know, wash your face and they're working and they're, it, this is a 24 seven job. If you're into wanting to know when, how do you get off it? You know, if you want to pull Fred Flintstone and go, Ooh, yabba dabba do <laughs> get home at five thirty. Don't get in my business. <laughs> okay. Because that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Okay. This is twenty four seven, and it's just you know it's rewarding. It's you know there's nothing better than to see your artist play in the biggest in the first rock show in the Soviet Union. There's no bigger you know accomplishment than doing a hundred of the shows that I've done. And when you're standing there. It's just amazing, and the accomplishments are monumental. And that's kind of that's that's my part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody has to do this. You know, <laughs> but if you're if you're choosing the music business that you want to be in, then you have to get in it. You have to you have to understand. It changes every single day. Mm-hmm. This so is not something that that somebody can teach you. In a semester. Yep. We have another it's, question for is, you, Doc. Yeah. This is from uh, Ariana Gates. Uh, do you find a great difference in managing a band versus a solo artist? Well, there's yeah, it's different because you've got three, four, five guys or girls or a combination that you have to. Now you have to remember when you say you manage somebody, you don't just manage those people. They have wives, they have kids, they have mothers and fathers, and they all come into play. Believe me, okay? They all come into play. So it's not just managing those people. So bands, I like because they're they're interactively more creative than a solo artist. Okay, but on the other hand, they make one fifth of what yeah. 
a solar artist makes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then again, you have a solar artist that's just a so, just a solo artist, and and most of the time, the sum is bigger than the parts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what GNR did at Appetite for Destruction is never going to be done again without those guys, and will probably never be done again, anyways. Mm-hmm. But so there's a there's a safe haven. In, in a in a band that you know like Kiss that feed off each other and and, and each one of them play roles and then you have the solars I I prefer a band and because I, I I like outside input on everything and I don't think anybody is that smart to continue to just come up with ideas and, and roll through it. And there's a lot of pressure on individual people. So when you, when you say Ed Sheeran, it was, to me, remarkable, okay? Even though he hasn't done anything that people haven't done for a long time, but he just, except for writing amazing songs, mm-hmm. okay? So, and this guy could go do Wembley Stadium two nights, with a guitar and some water and a rug <laughs> and seven people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, but you don't know how that lasts when you see it, say an individual artist like a James Taylor, who I grew up with and loved James Taylor and found out that last year he got his first number one record ever. Oh, wow. That's that's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's that's bizarre. So. So we have it, another we have another question lined up for you. Uh, sure. This is from uh, Victoria Rizzo. Uh, what is it like managing a group that followed their own rules throughout their career, and how did you handle a group that made so many messes? <laughs> well, you know, listen. I've always picked. You know, I'm the guy that goes into the pound. And picks the worst dog. I'm sorry, this radio. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll pick the worst dog because it's the most exciting. Okay, it's it's something that that is different, and so you you have to deal with that. Nothing comes amazing from the middle. Okay. Middle of road bands or middle of road bands. I'm way off the highway, okay? So I'm left and right. And that's what I've always chosen is those really off the wall, probably hard to deal with individuals because that's the way that they roll, okay? And so you have to deal with it when you know that, A, nobody likes them, yet okay but they're so different if you strike a chord then it's groundbreaking you're not going to get that out of the middle so i probably dealt with the hardest bands in the world you know and um i had a lot of success um and i think that i made them better people uh to a certain extent i'm not the red cross 
Okay, so I'm not, you know, I'm not here to help <laughs> just help people. Uh, but I see very talented people that when I signed Motley Crue, okay, it was New Year's Evil, 1982. I couldn't even understand what they were playing. It was so horrible. But I saw 3,500 kids, crazy, buying every piece of merchandise, ripping stuff off the walls, anything to have a piece of Motley Crew. So I signed them. I did, did, did I like the music? It wasn't like I, I went home with my wife and got in the hot tub and put on Shout at the Devil. Okay? <laughs> It was it was one of those. It was it was I saw connection and I saw what people connect to. And that's what really drives me, is connection. Um I don't it's, it's not my taste. Um you know, it's it's really connection that that really works for everyone. You, you, you if you connect to some an artist, if I'm into Jason Mraz I look at what people he connects to. You know, if I look at Iggy Pop, what, and then I choose whether or not I want to be in that genre, whether I want to be in that, that space. And I like big spaces. So I try to take Kisses and Scorpions and Motley and Bon Jovi and, you know, all the rest of them to you know, to accomplish the biggest things they could possibly do. What were some of the, That's, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what, what were some of the, this probably has to be our last question. We have about three minutes left. What were um, some problems that came up in, in their careers? Maybe when you were on the road with bands or things that you had to solve on the fly that the things you don't find in a book, but here's a problem that's well, come we up. Have to, yeah. We have three minutes left. Yes. It would take A's. To go through those problems, but you know, and every, everything is the same way. Family, you know, you, you're 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 their dad. I mean, if you're a really good manager, you're their dad, and you have to be a parent, not a friend. You have to be a parent, and you have to you have to guide them by ways that you've learned over the years that didn't work. You know, and and enabling and doing the things that they do, you you can enable, and um, so that's really the, you know, it's really the concept is getting into this field. That's by the way, I mean, for any college kid that ever wants to be a manager, I would pick any other career, <laughs> <laughs> but, but this, even though it's done very well for me and a bunch of people. It's just, uh, it's a very, very tough, um, it's a very tough business, and there isn't, music business is not, is not about nuts and bolts, okay? You're talking about presenting a kid that may be worth a billion dollars and is worth less than zero today. And so it's, 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 it's not for like the, you know, soft-hearted people you it's 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 a tough business but it's awesome i mean you know it's the only thing i know so well, you know, great well 
the thing that we know right now is that we've taken up enough of your time and we want to thank you. Is that all right if we thank you at this point, Doc McGee? Well, I'd like to thank you guys because I, I, I love talking to kids and I, I love trying to give them a little bit of insight on, uh, on what we do and hopefully on what they do. Well, next time you're uh... I'm a fan. I'm a fan. You can always call me. Great. And, uh, of course, with Aaron, I'm, uh, I'm here anytime. Great. Thank Maybe uh, we'll have some uh, kids. We're going out to Nashville in uh, the middle of May. Maybe we'll stop by and say hello. Well, if you're going out there, definitely do it. I'll set it up. I'll bring you up to the office. I'll show you the whole, the whole thing. Sounds great. great. Sounds Doc, great. thanks Thank so you. much. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk tomorrow about something in the KISS world. Well, I'm sure we'll be on first thing in the morning. <laughs> well, everybody, Doc McGee has joined us on Music Biz 101 more. Thank you again, Doc. Well, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Have a great night. And so, Okay, thank you. Uh, we want to thank uh, Professor Aaron Van Dyne for being here with us tonight. Aaron Van Dyne for putting this all together, for giving us the money to go out to Nashville and even name drop towns like Nashville to the infamous Doc McGee. We want to thank Bianca Russo, who's the producer, who was stressed but made this work. So thank you, Bianca Russo. We want to thank student co-host Bobby Mahoney, who made the tweets happen, made the tweets come alive, like Kiss came alive. That's right, you're a very good tweet reader. We want to thank everybody who tweeted. Thank you all for tweeting and listening. There were people listening and tweeting, which is great. And we want to thank, of course, Dr. Esteban Marconi. Dr. Esteban Marconi. Professor David Kirk. Phil. I am not a Hall of Famer. I'm no good as you. I'm never a Hall of Famer. Next week, there will be a rerun. Next week will be a rerun. Then we we have a live guest. And... I don't know who it is at this point. Uh, it we have them. We just can't remember who it is. Uh, either that or we don't have them yet. One or the other. We have like two undeclared weeks at this point. That may be uh, one of these. But they will be declared by the time people come back. It's going to be a great week for everybody. So you've been listening to Music Biz 101 and more on WPSC Brave New Radio 8.7 on your FM dial. We want to thank you very much for listening. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. Until we hear from you again, until you hear from us again, we would like to say not hello. We would like to say adios. Oh, we got something to say.